Are you a single mom who worries that you're messing up your kids? Do you feel like life is a constant struggle? Do you have big dreams and know that you were meant for more, but in your day-to-day life, you feel like you just don't have enough time to move forward with what you want? If this is you, I'm so glad you're here. I'm Jordan Rios, author, life coach, blogger, overcomer, and single mom of seven kids. This is the Thriving Single Moms Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Thriving Single Moms podcast. I am your host, Jordan Rios, and today I have the privilege of interviewing Amanda Quick. And just to give you an introduction to Amanda, she is an international best-selling author, public speaker, energy healer, and trauma advocate. She started her healing journey in 2020 after the most challenging time in her life. That time sparked a fire in her to do everything she could to spread awareness and support others who were still struggling. Today, her goal has grown to spreading her message as far and as wide and as she can across all demographics. If she can support the masses in understanding their own trauma, the individual body systems, and how they can use their story to empower their lives, then together we will ultimately empower humanity and the world. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So Amanda, if you could start out just, I I know I just gave an introduction, but if you could tell us just a little bit about yourself, just tell us where you're from and a little bit about your family and what you do. Yeah. So uh, originally I'm actually born and raised in Hawaii. Uh, I lived in Colorado for 15 years and I'm now based out of Oregon. So move around. (laughs) Um, I have three children and I'm recently remarried. And, um, I work in a bunch of different areas. I have a day job working in it, and I also run a healing and coaching business and speak publicly about things I've been through and help people overcome their worst experiences and turn them into their greatest gifts of empowerment. That is beautiful. And I love how you said that. I love how you, especially about the using your story, the most painful parts Mm -hmm. of your story and empowerment is one of my very, very core values just as in life in general and everything that I do. So that is awesome. So Amanda, you wrote a book called the sex trafficker's wife. And I I have, you know, you and I just connected recently. So I have not had a chance to read that book. I'm planning to pick up a copy because just the title alone has me very intrigued. So if you could tell us about the story, walk us through what inspired you to write that book and how it led you to where you are now. So, um, what inspired me to write the book was overcoming the seemingly impossible. Because mm-hmm. I, and just to give some background, in 2016, my ex-husband and father of my three children was arrested for attempted human trafficking. And my world exploded. And I was operating in a lot of trauma of my own parents' divorce and all of my beliefs about what I was capable of and who I was and who my husband was. And I refused to believe what was in front of my face. And I stayed in the marriage through the criminal trial. 
until a couple of years later when I saw my own kids being sexually groomed by their father. And then I had an 18 month, $75,000 custody fight because of the fact that he received only probation. And because I supported him, I now had to go basically prove that my children were in danger and the previous criminal case was irrelevant. And so I actually had the fight of my life despite the criminal offense and despite his felony. And when I received full custody in 2020, two weeks before the pandemic, I realized that I had and still hold an immense amount of privilege. I am upper middle class, I am white, I am educated, and it was a hard freaking fight. And the vast majority of people end up sharing custody with their abusers and their children's abusers. That's just the reality of the world we live in. Most people don't know, don't, don't know that. They don't realize how challenging it is for people. And it wasn't the money that solved my problem, but money allowed me to start to have the fight. But I also had to change my mindset to a place where I saw myself as, as worthy and capable of changing the story and changing the narrative. And I had to stop giving my power to everybody else to tell me what to do and how to get out of the situation I was in because the lawyers and everybody else followed the book and followed the statutes and all the things. And I'm not saying don't do that, <laughs> but you, who's driving the bus, right? Who's driving the story of what, of what we're actually trying to do. And when I changed my perspective and realized that I, on some level, still didn't want to believe I was in the situation I was, I was in. I didn't want to, to be fighting for custody. I didn't want it. I still wanted my family. I still wanted my marriage, just not like this. And when I saw that I was still holding on to that in some capacity, that was feeding this narrative that he was safe on some frequency. And I had to change that, take my power back and realize that I was done, done, done ever supporting him, ever doing anything. And I had to speak loudly of the situation I was in. I had to ask for help. I had to like, everybody knows somebody. I went down this whole thing and everything changed the moment I changed. And so my goal in sharing my story is to help people feel less alone in their stories because I'm not the only one, not even by a long shot. And whether not necessarily everybody's in relationships where people are arrested for horrific crimes, but a lot of people have been in abusive situations or been gaslighted in their relationships or feel like they can't get out of situations because of choices they made in the past. And I'm not even remotely alone in those situations. And a lot of people then feel stuck and they can't get out of it and they don't see the path to the other side. And so writing my book was taking people on the journey from the very beginning, being so stuck and refused to see everything and in complete denial all the way to the end where I received full custody and completely transformed my life and have been able to publish a book. I'm about to speak on a TEDx stage in a couple of months about this. I'm, you know, shifting things in, in my life and using my story to, yes, shock people to see, hey, this is what's wrong with the system. But also in order to do that, I have to realize that there's a huge gift also in going through something like this, because I have deep compassion now for other people who are operating from trauma and the people who have been in hard situations understand it on a like body level in a sense. And, and I wouldn't have that without this. And so I can use this to help other people in a way that I never would have before. Wow. That is incredible. Oh my goodness. I need to just take a deep breath after listening <laughs> to you so beautifully share your experience so courageously share from your heart everything 
that happened to you and your family. That is, and to take what that ugly, horrific thing that happened that scarred your soul and your body and to turn it into something to help other people. And like you said, to change the system, to completely dismantle the system. And you're right. You're absolutely not alone. There are so many, you know, this is, this is the thriving single mom podcast. You're speaking to single moms Mm -hmm. and you know just as well as I do this is custody fights are just an unfortunate part of our lives because of that system and trauma is a part of almost all of our lives not just yes. single moms but single moms definitely we we are coming there's a reason we choose to leave and leaving 100%. is not easy and it's nobody not, chooses to absolutely. be a single mom nobody chooses nope. to say this is, this is the path. I'm going to, I'm going to go out and have kids and be a single mom. Like there's maybe a very small handful of people who choose to do that for their own reasons. But we, the vast majority of us had a different vision for our children and ourselves. And I got full custody and was a full-time single mom of three, literally two weeks before the pandemic hit. And so the hardest time in, you know, our recent history I was a full-time solo single mom and I continue to be the only financial provider as well. And so I, wow. I, I completely understand, um, been there. And while I am recently remarried, I, it's still different. It's, you know, a, a step, step parent mm -hmm. is still going to be always different than before. And, and so I still carry a lot of that weight, even though I do, I finally can leave the house <laughs> without taking, the right. kids me, which is huge. Well, Hey, you got to count every win you get, right? hundred percent. Absolutely. And that, that's not a, that's not even a small win. That's like a huge no, level. Up it's a life. huge win. It's a huge yeah. win. And I, and I, you know, my kids are getting older and that does get easier, but I do, I do fully get it. And I did, wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I wanted for myself or my children. And I was raised by a single mom and I carried a huge amount of trauma of I'm not going to do that to my kids. And that's part of why I stayed as long as I did. And I think that's true yeah. for a lot of, a lot of single moms out there. We put up with a lot Absolutely. because we want better for our kids until we realize that this is not better. Yeah, absolutely. I think I resonate with that 100%. I think so many people listening to this podcast are going to resonate with so much of what you said. That was just a beautiful way to share your story in such a short synopsis. But I want to go, I want to start with talking about trauma because you as an energy healer, I'm sure mm -hmm. have such a unique yep. perspective on beyond what a therapist would look at as far as trauma goes. And I have such an appreciation for what you do in your in your career as an energy mm -hmm. healer. So I want to talk about based on your personal experience, your professional training and your and your professional experience, can you talk to us? about just the science of how does trauma affect the mind and body? Well, trauma affects, first of all, more than the mind and body. So uh, trauma affects us on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level on in all dimensions of our experience. Mm -hmm. And so trauma, and it affects every single one of them. And so a lot of times people think of trauma as an emotional trigger or reaction, where they think about it as you know, a mental health diagnosis, or they think about it, some people start to connect the fact that it, it does illness and disease, but not everybody, not everybody's at that point yet, but it all is layered together. And so what I think is important for people to recognize is that 
it's stacked on top of each other. So the experiences that we have that create a trauma response in the body, a fight or flight response in the body, then often get stored in our system as memory on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level. And so that's when we have these trigger responses and trauma responses later on when these memories come back up that start to impact our physical systems and they affect the mind and the conversations we have with ourselves. They affect our ability to emotionally regulate because in a large part, we also continue to hold judgments and have shame about those experiences. And so not only do we have the what happened and our response to it, but then we judge our response to it and our response to that response. And so it stacks on top of each other. And I feel like a lot of times, especially when it's the relationship stuff, especially as moms, we hold a whole a ton of responsibility for ourselves, for how we show up for our kids, for this this sort of experience that we're having when it comes to motherhood and when it comes to raising our kids. And if things didn't go like we wanted, or we ended up having kids with somebody we maybe realized later wasn't the person we thought, we beat ourselves up. And we beat ourselves up for not dealing with it or repeating patterns or not being the mom we want to be or being emotionally dysregulated with our kids or all of it all of it on top of itself. And so we have this like stacking that goes on, on top of the level of judgments we have that goes on. And that starts to manifest as physical illness. It starts to manifest as inability to concentrate and focus. It starts to manifest as mental health diagnosis is and, and beyond. And what I think is important for people to realize is that it's all connected. Every single component of somebody's experience from the physical experience, from the weight that they may not be able to remove, from illnesses and disease to mental health disorders to emotional, all of it is connected to itself. And my goal from an energetic standpoint is to start to unpack those layers and to start to see, okay, you're having this trauma, you're this trigger, this trauma response. What is that actually showing you in your body? What is actually showing up that needs to be looked at and not judged and shoved down and looked away? What emotion are you not allowing yourself to experience or to release because we're not allowed to do that or we're not allowed to have the feelings or we don't know how to process it because it's painful or whatever the reasons and the beliefs you have usually installed in childhood or installed by watching your parents or whatever other, you know, caregivers you had start to kind of shape how we learn how to deal with these traumatic experiences because the reality is everybody has them. Everybody has loss, illness, heartbreak, betrayal, something. Everybody has some type of experience in their life that has some type of a trauma trigger catalytic response. We just never learned how to process it. We never learned how to deal with it and to release it. And my goal is to highlight those things so that we can start to realize that it's not a negative thing anymore. These experiences are here to teach us something. And if we can stop holding judgment and shame for the experiences we have, and we can instead go, what was this trying to show me? Or what do I want to choose differently? Or what do I, how do I want to use this to empower myself or my children or something? It no longer has the same negative weight. And we can start to allow the energy to move in a very different way. I hope that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. That is, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I think that's a very eloquent way of describing the connection um, between all of these parts of us 
and how trauma affects us. And I love exactly specifically how you said that talking about judgment and then talk and also how you mentioned that how you finished with that these these things can teach us things. Yes. And if we allow them to teach us things, they can lead us back to who we truly are, who we're truly meant to be. A hundred percent. Exactly. While we came here to this earth. And that's definitely been a huge part of my story. And that's why I serve single moms. If I had never become a single mom, I wouldn't be here serving single moms. And I've never felt more in alignment with my purpose as someone who just doing what I love to do and what I'm called to do. In addition to parenting my own children as the sole caregiver. And I mean, and to be honest, I never, you know, like you said, just speaking from my personal experience and, you know, some of the listeners may be able to relate to this, you know, like you said, I never saw myself becoming a single mom. I had dreams for my family's future and they did not involve me parenting by myself. But once I took the brave plunge of leaving, when I knew it was time to leave, everything lined up for me. And it was not saying it was easy, but when I needed something, it was there to get me through, to get me to the next place I needed with my kids. And because I made up my mind, I was not going to let anything or anyone stop me. I was able to get to a good place. And so I think that's really huge. But let's talk about how trauma, can you tell us how does past trauma affect single parents after their divorce? Well, it continues to affect everything, (laughs) Um, truthfully. Like, you know, especially if the childhood trauma was what brought you to the relationship that you ended up needing to leave, then you're going to still need to deal with that. You're still going to need to process the choice that you made to be in that partnership. You're still going to need to process the reasons that happened in the first place, because most of us, when we get to that point, we don't want to do it again. We don't want to put our kids through that again. We don't want to have another partner that repeats the same patterns. We that's the last thing we want for our children is to have is to do this again repeated cycle and i feel like it's m- even more important once the divorce is final once all the ink is dry on the things and whether it's shared custody or solo custody or wh- however that is that you actually take that pause and start to reflect back on why the experiences that you had happened like what was the point of it and was this so that you can understand I know for me, I was very furious with my mom for my parents' divorce because I didn't have the understanding of why she left. I knew we hit her once, but I had no idea of the emotional and mental manipulation and gaslighting that had happened because she hid that from me because I was a child. And so I blamed her for never allowing me to see my father. And that carried into my decisions to not be able to leave my ex-husband, even though he didn't hit me. He was arrested for trying to purchase children. Like I still had this belief that I could not take him out of my children's lives because I chose to believe that he wasn't dangerous because of the story he was telling. And I chose to stay in that because of all of these other things in my head about why I wasn't allowed to leave. Like there were stories in my mind, but they were, they came from my childhood in a lot of ways. And so after I got out of that, I needed to understand all of it. And I all of a sudden was able to forgive my mom in a way that I never would have because I understood now the situation she was in and her belief that she had to keep things from me. And I also got to make the decision that I'm not going to keep the truth from my children because I experienced that side of it as well. And that's been part of my desire to be transparent 
age appropriately so, yes, but transparent in what happened with them and put blame where it's due in a different way. He made the choice not to get help. He made the choice to not do the things he was supposed to do, knowing that that would mean he wouldn't be in your lives. The blame is placed on the person who chose essentially not to be in their lives because of what he refused to do. Not on me, not on them. It's not about them or me. It's about his mental health and his inability to to do his things. And so after somebody goes through any type of situation and they're still trying to parent, you're still going to be triggered. You're still going to be triggered by all of your own childhood stuff, especially if you have young children, because that's what kids do. They're the amazing little trigger teachers because they constantly bring up stuff for us to look at. And so I feel like it's even more important to start to look at the relationship history and to look at why you believed that was a good relationship and then why you believed it was no longer. And what do you want for your future? And what do you want for your kid's future? And and what does that mean as far as looking at your stuff in your system and, and your your beliefs about yourself and your emotional regulation and your physical safety in a, in a lot of ways? And part of what I what I teach and what I try to help people with is getting to a point where they're not just physically safe because you get out of the divorce, but you're physically safe now. But do you even understand what emotional safety is? And do you understand what mental safety is? And do you understand what it is to be energetically and spiritually safe in yourself? Because we have to look at every single layer from a safety perspective so that we can then take those lessons, release that judgment, and and start to actually consciously create what it is we want for ourselves and our kids. That was amazing. And thank you so much for giving us so many questions to think about. And I, I encourage all the listeners, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to take a look back at your life, if you're feeling the impact of trauma, pause this, rewind it, put or scroll, you know, whatever our modern day rewinding a podcast is, but put it on a slower speed so you can write these questions down because she just gave you an amazing set of questions to start with to ask yourself so that you can become more self-aware, so that you can have a place to take a look at yourself where you are right now. And that you can, because when you, you know, the quality of our lives is based on the quality of the questions we ask ourselves. And I just think that, yeah, I just think that that is just such a great place to start to be able to process the things that have happened to us and to also take control of our futures, to shift this narrative in our lives that has been controlling our lives. And, you know, and that just brings me to my next question that you were, you know, you had shared a bit, of, a bit about your journey of divorce and your horrific child custody case. Um, what advice would you offer moms who have left a traumatic marriage, but right now are currently navigating divorce and child custody? So the biggest advice is, we have to shift the narrative from this is happening to me to this is happening for me is one of the hardest shifts to make, to come out of the, being the victim to the circumstance. This happened. This isn't what I wanted. It is a really challenging shift, but when we can make that shift and we can see that this is an opportunity, every single challenge is an opportunity. And if things aren't going according to what you want, there's a reason and it's not always a fun reason, but it's a reason. It took me a really long time to get that. And even when I had the understanding that my kids were in danger, which happened mid-custody case, and it didn't 
fix overnight. It was because I didn't have the data yet. I didn't have enough information yet. And so I stopped looking at everything as this is just getting worse. And I said, this is giving me everything that I need to accomplish my goal. And if I can, if you can shift your mindset there and you can realize that your intention for safety, security, freedom, independence, whatever your intention is for yourself and for your kids, that as long as you can hold that and you can believe that each step you take is for that and that everybody you come across has a piece for that, even if it doesn't look like you think it should, everything is lining up for you and for the future you're creating. When we can believe that, that's when we start to really be the conscious creator of our ex experience. I can't tell you how many motions we filed that didn't go through, how much more evidence still had to come. And every time it didn't go through or it didn't work, it's because the next thing needed to happen so that I could have the piece I needed for the final court hearing. And it's a really challenging place to be. But if you can trust that you're creating this and it's working to your advantage, everything changes. And the other piece I will add to that is that everybody knows somebody. And a lot of times when we're in these challenging court situations, we don't talk about it. We don't share what's going on. We hide in a corner. We only talk to our lawyers. But if things are getting to the point where they're deeply unsafe, everybody knows somebody. I called Child Protective Services. They didn't do anything. Well, I asked people at work. They knew people in other counties or somebody knew the district attorney or somebody knew somebody. And I followed every lead and then I followed the leads that they had. No, the vast majority of them didn't work out, but those that did changed my case. And so you can't be shy. You can't hide in shame. You have to step up and say, I'm choosing to find safety. I'm choosing to protect my kids. Who can help me do that? Oh, wow. And that is, that is the most important thing. What yes. mom could argue with that? What mom could argue with, would disagree with safety for her kids is the thing. Exactly. You know, I mean, that is, that is huge. That was amazing. So, um, now, you know, you had talked, you also said that you have entered into your second marriage and I know, congratulations. It's actually my third, and, but, but hey. Okay, but next marriage, sorry, Semantics. sorry, next marriage. That's <laughs> okay. okay. That's okay. No big, no big deal. And so an, another marriage. And so, um, you know, moms who have left a traumatic marriage and what, so what challenges can they face? You know, we already talked about the challenges of if you haven't processed the childhood trauma that may have led you to enter into a relationship mm -hmm. that wasn't for your highest good, you know, but as you're leaving that marriage and entering into your next marriage, what are some challenges that moms may face? Lots. Um, right. uh, <laughs> truthfully, the, right. you know, the biggest pieces are really making sure you're taking a good look at why you're entering a new relationship what levels, you know, what, what's different about this one? What's different about this time? Are you, are you still attracted to the same energy in a sense? And are, are you still looking to meet some childhood need that you're still not understanding? And for myself, I wasn't looking to date. I had three kids in the pandemic. Are you nuts? Like I wasn't looking for any of that. Yeah. It literally fell in my, my lap and, and I was 
on a spiritual journey, trying to learn about energy healing and, and taking classes. And I went to a workshop where I met my now husband and that was the being in his energy was the first time that I felt emotionally safe with a man. I didn't even know what that meant. Like I didn't even have a concept of that because I, my ex-husband and my father and every other man and relationship I've had has been very emotionally unavailable and emotionally just disconnected and unaware. And I didn't, I didn't even know you could have an emotional connection with the man truthfully. And he, my, my now husband has taught me what that means. And so entering a relationship with him felt so different because we actually have conversations about emotions. We actually talk about how we're feeling and I can see it all over his face in a different way because he doesn't hide them. And he's not just shut down and I'm dealing with the things and I'm going to work and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a very open, emotional and spiritual connection in a way that I had never previously experienced. And so there are absolutely challenges. Talk about step parenting, talk about jumping into a relationship with somebody with three traumatized kids. Like there's a lot of challenges, but if you're with somebody who is willing to talk about it, about how they're feeling, about how you're feeling, about how the kids are feeling, and you can say uncomfortable things without feeling unsafe. If you can have the conversation and feel like the person you're speaking to can hear you, that's a really good sign. If you feel like you're speaking to a black hole or you've got to continue to walk on eggshells, perhaps you're not ready to actually be dating because you still got some work to do because you're attracting the same things you just left. And I think it's really important to realize that a lot of times we wear the rose colored glasses in a new relationship and we want to think this one is different. But if the patterns start to repeat themselves, we have to trust ourselves. We have to start to trust you know, that feeling that, oh, this is, this is happening again. Or if the kids don't feel safe, you have to take it slow. My middle child, especially feels very, very unsafe around men because of his father. He was the primary target for most of the sexual grooming. And I don't think he consciously understands, but he still, his body and his mind say men are not safe. And I have to support that, which means in every situation, I'm still the safe person. And it's taken him a long time to be comfortable around my new husband in a lot of ways. And, and so giving the space for that is important and those set of challenges and everybody's reasons and their kids' experiences and their kids' trauma is going to be different, but we have to give every single individual the space to feel that and to be able to voice and talk about it. And to me, it's not so much about whether you should or shouldn't date or you should and shouldn't remarry or whatever. It's, can we be can we be honest with ourselves? Can we be honest with our new partner? Can we be honest with our children about how we're all feeling and, and work together? Yes, that is, yes. I think that emotional safety is something that's absolutely necessary. It's like the litmus test of, is this a healthy relationship? And am I ready for this relationship? Is this the right person for me? Is this the right timing for me? And, you know, that's, that's all really, really huge. So what are some strategies that single moms can use to regulate their nervous systems and heal from trauma? So everybody's going to be different. And one of the things that I actually find really challenging about the online course coach world and, and traditional therapy, whichever route you go, whether you go down the energy healing spiritual path or you go down the mental health, you know, 
marriage and family therapist path, regardless, everybody shares their method that works for them. Everybody talks about this is what I did and it works for me. And one thing that I've learned recently, and one thing that is going to be in my, my next book actually, is that there are different methods that work for different people. And that my version of healing isn't the same as yours. And that some Mm -hmm. people are very intellectual, very mind focused. They need to understand, they need to understand why they're feeling the way they're feeling. They might need to feel it, but mostly they need to understand why their body is reacting like this. And they, they want to like put the puzzle together. And then there's the people who are emotions first and everything is an experience and a feeling. And they then judge those feelings. And the method of healing and path to regulate is going to be different depending on the, the person. And so what I try to do instead is focus on the individual's journey and where, which section and sense of self that they're struggling with the most and focus there. Because for me as a very mind focused person, I'm always going to try to understand the situation. Like that's to me, if I can understand the path and I can understand why something happened, I can start to regulate myself in a different way. But if I don't understand it, then I'm going to judge it. That's where I struggle. But that's not everybody's experience. A lot of people wouldn't be able to have that sort of rational reaction to a really trauma traumatic response because their their body is just so heightened in a sense. And so what I really try to do instead is say, if you're an emotional person, you need to focus on where which emotions are safe and which ones are not and why. Because sometimes there's all kinds of reasons. And if we allow the experience to move through us, then it doesn't need to take us out in the same way. And we can start to regulate because we can move the emotion. And if we need to understand, then we need to go, okay, why did this happen? And start ask those hard questions and start to dig in deeper. And if we're somebody that needs to move and like act, you need to work with somebody who is able to help move. There's there's all kinds of physical release mechanisms. And then there's the people who are really energetic focused and having them understand how to ground within self and connect to a bigger picture and and do that work. And so there's, unfortunately, unfortunately, not a one size fits all answer to this because everybody's experience is different. And I want to focus instead on the, like I said, all single, all layers, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and not follow my method. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's very empowering for us to just trust our intuition and know what the right path to healing is for us. And that in of itself, just the ability to trust yourself enough to know that, you know, exactly. That's exactly. There's no question there. You're going to make the right choice. Well, and if we can find safety in all those levels of self, then we can find our path to healing because my path isn't your path. But if you're struggling with emotional safety, you might need to have somebody model that for you or or feel what that feels like and understand where you're struggling there so you can then trust your emotions, so that you can trust your thoughts. Yeah. And then you can allow those to guide you and understand your next steps. Yes, absolutely. Um, So how, you know, going back to story. And the role of story and healing. How can single moms use their story to help others and to heal themselves? So when we flip our story, so this horrific thing happened to me and I could sit absolutely in the victim of the situation. And I was married to somebody who did these horrible things. If I stayed there, nothing about my experience would change. But the moment I flipped my story to this happened to me, 
And now I deeply understand. And I now was able to change it, to get out of it, to empower myself, to empower my children. And I can start to tell the story where I'm now the one writing the ending. I'm now the one changing the narrative. I can use this story. I can use the shock factor of it. I can use the emotional impact of it. I can use every component of it to help other people out there know they're not alone, to help other people out there know there's another way they could choose to live their lives. There's a path out of the chaos and the trauma and the suffering. And every single time I do, and somebody out there says, oh my God, I thought I was the only one, or I can't believe you're sharing what was basically my life, or I feel so seen after reading what you went through. That helps me heal even more because I know that it wasn't just for nothing. What I went through was bigger than me and my kids. The more that I share my story and it helps somebody else, the more I find gratitude for my experience because it's not just about me anymore. It's not just about being the best mom for my kids I can be. Yes, that's a huge piece. But it's about then being an example for what is possible for other people and for their children and beyond. Because the more transparent, the more vulnerable, the more empowering I can be, also the more it invites others to continue to do that. And then this just this whole thing gets amplified because more people are like, oh, well, if I talk about my hard things and other people feel seen and I help somebody else, that's going to help me. And it just ripples, right? And the more we're shifting the narrative of our stories, inviting other people, because the vast majority of people, they keep their horrible trauma stories buried away. Don't look at it. Don't talk about it. You know, there's how many family secrets out there that nobody's going to talk about ever. The more people who dig that out and bring all of this darkness to light, the more people who will feel safe to do the same, the more systems can change because we get to highlight all of the wrongness that happens. The more ch the fact that every single court requires the victim at their expense to educate every single judge on trauma to me is ridiculous. Like all of those things need to be highlighted, but it, it doesn't work if it's not brought to light, if we don't talk about it. And so the more things that start to change, the more people that start to feel seen, the more I heal, the more it makes me feel like this was, this was important. And so it's, it just, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more I go, the more opportunities that also get to present themselves for me to share in another way and to help more people. And it just, it makes it all in a lot of ways worth the pain in the end. And no, I don't, wouldn't wish that on somebody, but it really does feel like it was for a bigger purpose. And that, that is so healing in itself. Wow. That was so beautifully said. Thank you. And one question I ask every guest that I have on the podcast is what is one book recommendation that you would give our listeners and one affirmation you would give our listeners? Okay. Um, I mean, obviously go buy my book, but you know. absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, the other book that I would, I would actually recommend people, people first read, especially if people are opening up to the spiritual bigger purpose of things or understanding synchronicity and how things can start to line up when we start to choose a different path and things like that. I'd love the Celestian prophecy for that book. There's a whole, a whole series of them, but 
it's one of the like simplest ways to start to understand spirituality in my, in my perspective and definitely a, a really good place for people to begin. It's not a trauma healing book by any perspective, but starts to help at least helped me understand that everything happens for a reason in a different way. Um, if people want to, I, I don't need to have all the book recommendations, but um, <laughs> lots of them. Um, I love reading the, uh, affirmation that I would, uh, that I would ask people to, to say is first of all, I trust myself. I trust myself. I know myself. I love myself and really focus on believing that you're worthy of what you know to be true and focusing on leading through self. I trust myself. I know myself. I love myself. Wow. That's so powerful. Thank you, Amanda, so much. Where can people find you online? They can find me, my website, amandaquickhealing.com. My book website is thesextraffickerswife.com. I'm on all the social media platforms, Amanda Quick Healing or The Sex Trafficker's Wife. And I will be sure to put all of those links in the show notes and where you can buy her book because I know I'm going to have a lot of people wanting to support your book and buy your book and read it. And thank you again so much, Amanda, for so courageously showing up and sharing your story with us. And um, I look forward to hopefully hearing from you soon. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If this episode has been impactful and meaningful to you, would you please leave me an honest review on whatever platform you're listening on? These reviews help me to reach even more single moms, and I take the time to read every single one. Thank you, and as always, choose your destiny and live it.